Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It is Friday, Friday, September 17th. Uh, Mark, have you watched Ted Lasso yet? You got to watch it. So I started the second season. And the reason why I'm telling you this is that they caught me early in this episode with a punchline about how bad the Jets are. Okay. I thought that was it. I'm now sunk in on, on season two. This is your feel good show. I love this show. And I think everyone should watch it because it's a nice antidote to whatever is making you feel kind of blah lately. But if you're feeling blah about your finances, Ted Lasso is not going to help you. But Jill Schlesinger and Mark Talercio, we are going to help you. We are here to try to take the mystery out of your financial life. We're here to help you make the next best decision in your financial life. I don't really care about what you did in the past. I mean, I sort of do because it's good to figure out like why you are where you are, but not, I don't want to spend, I'm not a shrink. My job isn't to figure out like, oh, what happened in your family of origin that so screwed up, screwed you up for this next relationship. Our job is to just tell you what to do. That's why I'm not a shrink because you can't really just tell people what to do. They're supposed to figure it out themselves. Well, if you need our help, we are here. We are Ted Lasso in terms of our attitude. We are upbeat. We are cheerleaders for you. And we want you to make the best choices you can. So send us an email or go to the website, jillonmoney.com, jillonmoney.com, and click the contact button. Steven says, moved from New York City to Charlotte last year, and he was in the mindset to buy a house or a condo with the insanity of the housing market, uncertainty of pandemic, and my career. I'm not sure if it's the right move with the housing market savings. Any advice you could provide? Mark, what do you think about buying a house? I always feel like, look, you know, run the numbers. See if you like it. Stop. Everyone's like still goes into this process. It makes me nuts a little bit. People continue to go through this process and they tend to want to think they could figure out how to time the top or the bottom of the market. You're probably not going to do that. You might by accident, but probably not. So run the numbers, see if it makes sense. If you've got numbers and we can help you run them, send them along. Okay. This is from Bruce. 
who says, I appreciate all you and Mark do in teaching us about investing and preparing for retirement. I'm within five years of retirement. He maintains a 65-35 globally diversified portfolio. He says, I feel good about my plan and my position. There's a lot of static nowadays about tapering by the Federal Reserve, when and how quickly and what it means. Could you give us a crash course in this? I think I understand it means the Federal Reserve will buy fewer bonds to prop up our economy. And I think the message is that bonds and bond funds could suffer due to the effects of interest rates and stocks should gain. But with the high valuation of stocks and overall talk about bubbles, maybe they're going to be volatile. Do I have your permission to just tune out the noise, disregard the whens, whys, and wherefores about tapering, maintaining my investing plan as I have been, or should I and others take all this to heart, adjust our portfolios, prepare for major repercussions, short and long-term? Thank you very much, Bruce. If I had a magic wand, I would wave it across the entire listening audience of Jill on Money, and I would say, please stop overthinking this. Reminds me of that show, Schitt's Creek. Do you know that show, Mark? I don't think you watched it. There's a great line in it where I can't, who said it, but I think it was Alexis or maybe it was David. But anyway, it was one of the characters said, wait, let me overthink this. Let's not overthink these things. You're exactly right. So currently the Federal Reserve is buying about, I think it's 120, is it 120 billion a month? of bonds. And it was to help provide liquidity and prop up the economy. And, you know, they're going to stop doing that. Obviously, they're going to stop doing that as the economy gains more traction. When the Fed stops buying bonds and when the Fed starts raising interest rates, financial markets are going to react they're probably going to react in a major way in the beginning, and then it'll sort of get better. And what we found and what was the real lesson of the financial crisis is that as the Fed started doing this, you know what happened? Nothing. Nothing happened, gang. Everyone thought the world was going to fall apart. Oh, if they stop buying bonds. Oh, they're going to raise interest. Oh, the world's going to fall apart. No, it did not. And so what I can say to you, Bruce, is that so much of what we do as long-term investors is to drown out that noise. And I encourage all of you to understand what's going on because I think you want to be just sort of generally good citizens and aware of the news and understand that the Fed's role in a crisis is to provide liquidity, make sure the, the all the engines are running and the pistons are firing, and to make sure that we don't crater into a more substantial crisis than we are in need to. And then as the economy improves, we don't need them so much. And so that's okay. You currently have a portfolio allocation that should see you through it. But do I really think that you all and we all, and I put myself in this category, Mark puts himself in this category, do we need to be so hyper aware of this and adjust our portfolios accordingly? No, we do not. We do not. Okay. There you go. Uh, Janice says, hello, we like our financial advisor as a person. We feel he's a good guy. However, when we met with him and try to ask how he's getting paid by our funds or what he earns every year, he says, quote, we are paid by the fund company, not by you. I'm wondering if we can get an idea as to what normal management and administrative fees are. When I go to our account site under fees and expenses, I see 0.22% management fee. 0.05% administrative fee. Deferred load 1%, 
expense ratio 1.33%. So they have $120,000 in American funds, class C, which is my least favorite class, which is a deferred load, meaning that when you sell these shares, you get whacked. Okay. Now here's the thing, Janice, it's not that this is the most onerous fee structure. It is that he is being not entirely honest with you. Any fee that is paid from the company itself is coming out of your pocket. So yeah, you're paying 1.3% to be in this fund. It's not the worst fund in the world, but what I don't like is that he's giving you some jive talk. It really is, it, it annoys me, you know? Now, Mark, since they have back-end loaded funds, Class C shares, the question is, what should they do? Because if they were to sell it, then what happens is you get whacked on the way out. And it's a balance fund, by the way. So it's not like, it doesn't really mean that, you know, you're you're not in an aggressive fund. It's fine. But, you know, I don't know what why you have this. I don't know if this is a retirement account or not a retirement account, but if for some reason it is a retirement account, I might just kind of roll that into something else, pay the fee and move on. Because who needs to pay 1.33% every year? Uh, you know, overall, that's what it's going to be. Send us some more info about yourselves uh, and what else is going on, and we might be able to help you out. Oh, boy, here comes a long question about student loans. Buckle up. Uh, this is from Bailey, and Bailey says, I'm a huge fan of your podcast. Yay. Thank you. I'm really interested in personal finance. I thought I would reach out with a question. I'm 22. That's right. Young, 22 years old, just graduated from college. $28,000 in student loans to pay off. That's not bad. The plan is to pay them down as quickly as possible, but I'm not sure if it's the best idea. I'm working. I make $72,000 this year before taxes. 72 grand, just graduated. Not bad. I moved home for the time being. I barely have any expenses except for a lease payment and car insurance. It adds up to $600 a month. Initial plan was to throw about half of my salary at the loans in order to get rid of them in a year, and then I wouldn't be paying much interest. Although I've heard arguments that say to not do this necessarily and put more towards your loan to get rid of your debt, but I also want to be aggressive with my investments because I got little to no expenses. So right now, I contribute 6% to my employee 401k. It's $300 a month and also put $500 a month to my personal Roth IRA to max it out. And then I contribute $600 a month to a Vanguard brokerage account. Lastly, $400 a month to savings for expenses like a wedding or a down payment on my home. Okay. Is it a bad plan? A good plan? How should I change it? And start saving for grad school, which seems daunting considering the high costs. Thanks for taking the time. First of all, forget about grad school. Why are we going to grad school? All right, you're making 70 grand a year. What are you doing? I want to know what the grad school is for. Mark, do you want to pay off the loan? Do you want to put more money in retirement? What What's your take on this? Yeah, I was exa- I, that's exactly what I was thinking. So Mark says, let's, I, and I agree, 6% to your employee 401k. Of course, if you had a Roth 401k, we'd like you to use that. But I would keep maxing out retirement, but the money you're putting into the brokerage account used to pay down the loan. That's it. You know, it's just throw it in there and it'll get done. You don't have to do it in two seconds. Okay. This is AC who says, I've listened to your advice on investing rather than making additional payments on my mortgage. My question, 
Would your opinion differ for someone in my situation? I plan on retiring early in 15 years and I'll have a pension of $130,000 a year. I would love to have my house paid off by the time I retire based on an amortization calculator. If I make the $500 additional mortgage payment that I've been making, the house will be paid off in 14 years. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, look, it depends how much other money you have. I I mean, I don't, if you're getting a pension of $130,000 a year, okay, think about this. You're still in a pretty high tax bracket. You could still, you know, use this, you could certainly still use the mortgage interest deduction. But if you're desperate to have this paid off and the $130,000 a year in your pension will cover all your needs and you have some other money that's liquid, sure. But if you don't have a lot of liquidity and you don't have a lot of money saved to actually float you in retirement, just having some access to money that maybe has already been taxed even, then I'm not sure I would do it. Emotionally, we've talked to so many people who have just asked this question over and over. I get it. Emotionally, you guys want to do it. I mean, and and I guess the bigger concern that I have to some extent is that when we make these decisions and you sock all this money and it's paid, your mortgage is paid off and you say, oh, no, I won't need any of this money. And, and then something happens and you need money. You need liquidity. You need access to something. And it's awfully nice to have some money that's already been taxed more than anything else. I think that's the other issue that I want to be clear with all of you that, you know, as much as tax deferral and tax games and this, that, and the other thing, it's all great. I'm all I'm all in for like taking advantage of the system that exists. But, you know, you retire and you want to have some money that you can access that has been taxed. And if for you, AC, if that money is not available and you've got your house that's paid off, you're going to be sorry that you did this. So you got to think about these things sometimes. You really do. Okay, that is it. It is Friday. So on Fridays, we do all of our kind of tidying up work. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Mark Talercio is our executive producer extraordinaire. We are distributed by Cadence 13. Now, if you've got a question and anything's going on in your financial life, of course, just go to the website jillonmoney.com and hit the contact button. You can sign up for our sister broadcast. It's called Eye on Money. And if you have anything else going on in your life, just let us know. We'll help you out. As always, we encourage you to lift someone up today. Grit, growth, grace, and some gratitude. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening.